Thanks for checking out Rock Urban Podcast. We believe that God is on the move and that he uses the power of his word through preaching to speak life. We hope you're encouraged today by the message of Pastor Gary Peterson. I swear that when you get to be our age in your 60s, you've talked about everything already. You don't need to talk anymore. You, already, you, you know each other so well. You've talked everything through and you've come to the conclusion it's just easier if you drive and I won't say a word. And he's looking out the window and she's driving and I'm looking over there like, no, pull back the wheel. Take the wheel, Jesus. I think part of the reason why so many people have left the church, listen, it's because the church isn't right. We're not right with each other. We're not right in our families. We're not right with our kids. We're not right with our parents. My wife and I grew up in two completely opposite types of homes. My parents were not the kind of parents that Becky's parents were. Her dad was a pastor. Her mom was a pastor's wife. Early on in, in their ministry, her mom had a brain tumor. They operated and it left her paralyzed on this side of her body for the rest of her life. I saw a man and her father who literally took her mom and dragged her everywhere. She was always hanging on this side of his body, was always drooping, his tie was always crooked, his suitcoat was always cocked off to the side, and he loved her so much that he took her everywhere. He got her up in the morning and he bathed her and he washed her hair and they had a chair in the shower so they could do this together. I saw unwavering love. It doesn't exist anymore. Instead of singing happy birthday last night, I had about 25 people over. I said, let's say things about Becky that you have found. There were amazing things that made her cry. It made me think, well, what is wrong with us? This beautiful couple that just visiting our church today because they drive by and they saw that we painted it black and saw the transition, wondered what happened, said, the young people are leaving our church. Do you know why the young people are leaving our churches? Because we're control freaks. And we won't understand that every generation is different from the previous generation. That's not like we compromise anything that we believe or value highly. It is simply this. Things change. Times change. Music changes. Customs change. Our church is growing every single week because people sense love and forgiveness. When I see the teenagers up here, you can say whatever you want because I think our church just attracts all the people that don't feel loved, like me. 17 teenagers will come at 10 o'clock on Tuesday morning for the entire summer and we will be close. They will study the Bible every day. They'll go to the nursing home every week and spend time with older people. And the rules are changing this, this year. So this is a, a, a marker for the um, young people. Every day you will check in and be asked if you took a shower that morning. <laughs> if in taking a shower, now listen to me because no stink bombs around here. If in taking a shower, did you wash your hair today? Brush your tooth? Because with many of them, there's only one left. 
When they use the restrooms, because I'm very picky about keeping the restrooms clean, they will sign in and sign out. Because in this brand new building, not too long ago, Ed cleans the men's restroom. He does a great job, Ed. Really, I'm really picky. Every time there's a drop of urine on the floor, Ed, you wipe it up. Okay. So they will check in and check out of the restroom. They will learn discipline and love. They will go door to door in our neighborhood. We're having a massive garage sale, and everything in our garage sale will be free to people who need something. We have a lot of plans for this summer, including their mission trip to Mexico. We've been going there for years where the kids actually learn what it's like to be in another culture. This is a fact about life in general. Everybody wants to be loved. Everyone wants to love. I love this church. I love all these people here and those people there. Dirk is my brother, my friend. He's like my son. He is un unquestionably one of the finest young men I've ever met or known. He's not married and he's a very hot Christian girl. That's what he's praying for. If you'd like to apply, we're having auditions this week. Some of the girls are going, oh, me, not yet. I'm not ready. <laughs> I used to, I, I'm meddling now. This whole first part of the message is meddling, so. Um, I used to pray when, when Lexi was just like 12, which was yesterday, that she could have someone like Aaron or Nick. And she got one. <laughs> he just married a 12-year-old. No. No. Every parent, every, I said this to the McKinsey's whose son, um, Jake, is here today. He's going to help me cook this summer. Um, I said to the McKinsey's, my wife went to the open house, and I missed it yesterday, and she said the food was amazing. The cakes were amazing. The whole thing was amazing. You know what I can say, honestly? The McKinsey's love their sons. I've never, yes, I've only met one other person that goes to Disney more than they do. <laughs> Their sons literally almost turned into Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck. <laughs> Josh did the summer internship last year, and, and Jacob is helping me because he's going to cooking school. I was a chef during my college years, so he's going to help in the kitchen, which is awesome. I, I can say this wholeheartedly and honestly today. It's amazing to be the church body and to love one another, and to know the families, and to know your kids, and to watch your kids grow up, and to know that you've been to the baseball games, and you've been to all their stuff, and they now rise up and call you blessed. Dirk, will you run my water over here so I can have that? So, so I want to I point out, because this is going to be tough this morning, I'll, I'll plant this seed right now in the few moments that I'm going to talk, because otherwise you're going to get anxious for me to shut up. This message is the other side of the story. Last week was about the prodigal who wanted his money and to get out of home and to run away somewhere. And by the way, I said this to McKinsey's and I'd say it to anyone. Pray that your children want to live around you. Because they go off to school in another state. They may never ever come home. 
We love our kids. We look for every opportunity to be with our kids. My wife has been the most amazing mother. My older daughter, who doesn't come to church right now but loves us deeply, even said it last night. My mom is my best friend. As you know, my older daughter's handicapped. And we didn't find out until she was two years old. And I remember my wife taking her to every kind of therapy imaginary, speech therapy, occupational therapy, physical therapy, pushing that wheelchair everywhere. I gave up at times because Danielle is not easy to get along with. She loves to complain. Stop pushing the wheelchair so fast. And I said, do you want to run this thing yourself or do you want me to push it? I pushed it right into the holes at times because she wouldn't shut up. I just thought, I'm going to run down the bumpiest street you ever saw because you are not learning anything about respect. Sometimes I left her back there on the street in the wheelchair because she was bickering so much. Becky goes, that's not even nice. I said, you go back there. She's going to turn out like that. What does she do? She rises up and says, my mom is my best friend. Lexi said the same thing last night. My mom is my best friend. My little boy is 12, going on 20. I want my boy to hear us praying every Sunday on the way to church, no matter what. Everybody needs people that love them. Everybody in this room this morning is looking for people to love you and to stay with you. For people that you could call a band of brothers. The title of my message today was actually this, when brother doesn't seem like a brother, when when the brother who really wasn't a brother shows his face. That's what it is. The brother who claims to be a brother, but he's not really a brother because right now you need the brother and you're not even talking to him. You won't even talk to him. And you know you love them, but you won't talk to them. That doesn't work. You can't do that. The Bible is very clear about making things right with each other. You need a band of brothers. I need a band of brothers. I desperately need that. We look at the picture and now we say, enter Jesus, because Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than any brother ever could, isn't he? But all of us need a brother at times, because brothers lighten the load on our shoulders during tough times, and they multiply the joy in our hearts during good times. These are good times. Yes, say it with me. This is good. One more time. This is good. This is good. It doesn't get much better than this. It really honestly doesn't. When you came to church today, you, you walked out into sunshine in Michigan. That's good. When you came to church today, you knew there'd be air conditioning in this room. This is good. When you came to church today, you were expecting something good to happen. That's why young people have left the church. Because honestly, I got so sick and tired of hearing people complaining in the church all the time growing up that my entire group of siblings, four of them, don't go to church at all now. Because they see church as fake and hypocrite. Now, we're being taught that we should live individualistically as a culture. That everybody's opinion matters and that we should all be able to say whatever we want. And by the way, our country is really, really in trouble. We should be thanking. 
somebody got mad a couple weeks ago because I said something positive about Trump. Then if you don't like that, you shouldn't go to church here. We should support our president who, whether you think he's a Christian or not, is trying to bring the country back to where it should be. The people he has appointed and the people that will fight for our rights as Christians. I was so mad this week when I turned on the television and found out that a lot of preachers now are taking a position against Bernie Sanders because Bernie Sanders says that we should believe that our God is the same as Allah. Not. 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 That doesn't mean we hate Muslims. It means this. We do not have the same God as the Muslims, and we will not compromise our belief system and say we do. If you're not going to a church that's willing to talk about that, we're in trouble. The church is in trouble, but I'm going to pull it, focus all the way back to what we need to talk about this morning, and it's, it's, it's important because I believe this. We need the body of Christ to be unified so that we can fight together. A house divided against itself cannot stand. We must stand together. We need to be the church of Jesus Christ. Jesus instructed us in regard to who we have as friends and who we put our support in. He said, do not give what is holy to the dogs nor cast your pearls before swine lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you into pieces because this is how the world works. I found, found that the Democratic Party was not satisfied with Mr. Comey because he turned on their candidate, Miss Clinton, and now they all of a sudden like Mr. Comey. It's interesting how God warns us to be careful about who we put our support behind and who we make as friends and who we trust and who we support based on this. Are they going to throw what you give them to the hogs? I grew up raising hogs. I was raised on a farm. We always had 100 beef cattle and 100 hogs. Hogs will eat anything. They'll eat anything. We took all the garbage from the supper table, and I just bring it down there, and they just go crazy, biting each other and biting each other's ears. We're a lot like them. You know that? The minute somebody disappoints you, you turn on them. What kind of friend is that? You know you love them. Listen to me. You know you love them. They're your friends. Don't trample them. Well, it's their fault. It's no, no. If you're spiritual and you're the older brother, you should immediately, during this service, I'll give you an opportunity to go to them and apologize for your behavior because you're wrecking our church. You are single-handedly ruining the unity in our church and a house divided against itself cannot stand. You got it? So last week I just gave you four elements of the, of the prodigal. Restlessness, rebellion, repentance, and reconciliation. But there was one I left out last week, one point that I need to make, and I'll make it quickly today. It is the fifth element, which is this, resentment. And I didn't highlight it, so I don't know if you have it for the screen or not, but it's resentment. Because here's how it works. Sometimes... When somebody that you supposedly call your friend that sticks closer than a brother disappoints you in some way and you have this squabble between the two of you, resentment builds because it hasn't been resolved. 
So I take you to my text for the morning quickly. You can read it on the screen. Meanwhile, and I have to stop there because I already I shared this with Praise Band this morning. Meanwhile. Hmm. Big word. Meanwhile. Meanwhile. What does it mean? So I, I'm thinking to myself, look it up in the dictionary. You, you can't even give it an intelligent definition of it. The time before something happens. Meanwhile. We heard the whole story of the prodigal and how he ran out of money and all of his supposed friends turned against him. And meanwhile, he decides he needs to go back home, make things right with his father. And his father, being a loving father, which all of us should be, runs to meet him, says, kill the fatted calf, put the best robe on him. Let's go in and have a party. This son of mine, which was lost, has found his way back home. That's amazing. Meanwhile, because there's always a meanwhile. Mm -hmm, there's always a mean, mean, mean attitude coming. Meanwhile, the time before something happens. Something's about to happen with everybody in here. You don't even know it. You're about to find out that you have cancer. You're about this week to experience something devastating to your family. You're about to lose your job. You're about to have your husband walk out, as one lady said. Her husband, after 27 years of marriage, decided he didn't want to be with her. He had found someone younger, and he wants half of everything, and she's done. It breaks her heart. Meanwhile, while you're sitting here, something is happening. So it says, meanwhile, the older son was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come home, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has, has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he, he answered the father, look. All these years, I have been slaving for you. And I never, never, ever, ever disobeyed your orders, yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fatted calf. The father looked at him and said, my son, my son, come on, listen to me. You are always with me, and everything that I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because your brother, your brother who was dead is alive again. He was lost, and he's found. Do you realize how easy it is to become bitter and dissatisfied and jealous. It's crazy. The minute the son hears this party going on and wonders what's going on, he thinks to himself, dang it, I've been faithful all these years to my, to my father. I've slaved out in the fields. I've done nothing but the best things. I am the quality Christian in this situation. I have lived my life a certain way, and he's gone out and screwed up with prostitutes, and you throw him a party. That is not what God would do. 
God doesn't do that. God says that justice must be served. Hmm. But you look at the parable closely and it's clear that Jesus is trying to get us to understand the difference beside be, the difference between someone who is lost and someone who claims to be saved but isn't. The older brother is a clear and concise picture of a religiously lost person. They have no idea what mercy is. They don't understand that every time we sin, mercy comes running. Mercy is not getting something I deserve. Grace is getting something I don't deserve, and mercy is not getting something that I do deserve, which is justice and punishment. Aren't you glad today that God doesn't give us what we deserve? Amen. God does not ever give us what we deserve. Stop thinking that God is not fair. It's a good thing he's not. There are actually two prodigals in the story. Both were slaves. The younger by economic plight and the older by perception. He's a slave to what looks good. You know why our churches are not growing? You know why our churches are falling apart? Because the younger generation of people are long gone because the older generation is more worried about perception than they are principles and precepts from God's word which say that things will change but Jesus never does. We need to offer Jesus on this platter that is acceptable to them without compromising the gospel. And that's what we're doing. They worship differently than us. They like smoke machines. Older people come in and go, oh my gosh, the building's on fire. And younger people are like, what? They just had to run a smoke machine up here so the lights would work better. And I'm thinking, I don't know what blinds them most if I open the garage door or if he, if. Ed's got those lights going around and shining in your face. It's like, I'm like, oh, God, somebody's going to complain to me today. It was blinding with those lights moving around. Is it a discotheque? Oh, God, have mercy on us. The place is falling apart. No, it's not. Look around. 17 kids that could do something else with their summer are coming to the internship program. God is working. Did you know, because this is what this is all about today, did you know that you can live in the same house with people, you can work the same job with people, you can ride in the car together, you can do stuff together and still not be right with each other? Do you know that there's people sitting within 20 feet of someone else in this room that are not making things right and they're miserable because of it? Oh, you could throw on a smile and fake it. It doesn't work like that. God says that a house divided cannot stand. You, your house will not stand if the mother and father are at odds with each other. If the kids and the family are not together, you will not stand. Some way, somewhere along the road, people will rebel in that home and split from you. It's a fatal error to think that just because you're raised in a Christian home, read your Bible, go to a Christian bookstore and buy books and stuff and go to Christian concerts that you're a Christian, God doesn't have any grandchildren. God does not have grandchildren. 
We put these little plaques on our door. That's for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. We bring our kids in, at, at an infant age and sprinkle them and baptize them. They have, they have no comprehension of what baptism means. Baptism is meant to immerse someone so they understand the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And by the way, you can't catechize your kids into heaven. Because God has no grandchildren. They can't piggyback on your salvation and get in the kingdom. They have to individually, one at a time, decide they need Jesus. You got it? I'll never stop saying it. If you want me to, I'll go somewhere else and say it. It's missing in our church. The gospel is missing. It's not about changing the things in the church so that young people are drawn. They have to have this change right here. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. The message has not changed, but the methods must. There are no grandchildren of God. The Pharisees based their spirituality on their Jewish faith. The Apostle Paul warned them that being born in a Jewish household doesn't make you a child of Abraham. Everyone on earth is a physical child of God by creation, but not everyone is a spiritual child. That takes rebirth. Recreation. And recreation leads to recreation with God. When you're recreated with God, you want to recreate with the people of God. I love being together as a church. I was busy this weekend because Friday night we had our young married couples thing. I prepared for that, spoke at that about marriage. If you're struggling in your marriage, you should come every other Friday night to Young and Free. It's for all young married couples. Yesterday, my wife had a piano recital here in the auditorium. We had about 100 people here, and I made like at least 100 cookies for her. And I, you know what I saw at the piano recital yesterday? I was like thrilled out of my mind because I saw four young men, including my son Josiah at 12, Noah Denhoff at about 11, um, Sully Duffy at about 14, and Zach Zemba, who's I think 13 or 12. They're all becoming worship leaders. They all take piano lessons from my wife. They got up here and I thought, God, we are on the road. We are recreating kids that will recreate with those who love God. You got it? We are recreating those who want to recreate with people who love God and actually think it's awesome to go to church. And then there's other kids who sit here like, this is so boring. I'd rather be with my boyfriend. You're such a squirrel pastor. I just hate this. I endure it just because, because my parents want me to come or whatever. God, I'm praying for a breakthrough right now that they'll understand what I understood in my teens and early years. Without Jesus, I'm dead. Dead. I attempted suicide at 21 years old and failed. See, the father's, or excuse me, the, the prodigal's father chose to forgive his son. The older brother refused to do so. Forgiveness is a bridge that we build and may need to cross one day ourselves. When you don't, do not forgive other people and you just carry this little grudge thing around with you because they hurt you so badly or he said this and she said that, you are commanded by God to forgive because you've been forgiven. 
British General James Oglethorpe, founder of the colony of Georgia, bluntly told John Wesley, famous John Wesley one day, he said, Preacher, I never forgive. And Wesley's remarks were profound. He said, then, sir, I hope you never sin. You can't harbor bad attitudes and bad feelings toward the, the brother, the older brother. You can't harbor bad attitudes toward the younger prodigal. It reveals one of two things. Either you're not a child of God, or you are out of fellowship with God and therefore dangerous. You're a mole. I got moles in my front yard. You know what a mole is? Something that comes that you don't want. I, I'm telling you, I'm listening to the Holy Spirit. I'm not trying to be cocky. I'm listening to the Holy Spirit. And I already know that sitting in this room in front of me, I know people who love each other and need to get it right. It's hurting you. It is hurting you. You don't want this. You want to love and be loved. You really want to forgive. You want to forgive me if I hurt you. You want to forgive your spouse if they hurt you. You want to forgive your children because that's the way to be blessed. Don't allow bitterness to build up inside because it will affect every single inch of your life. Look at what the scripture records about the older brother. It says in verse 28, the older brother became angry and refused to go into the party. Well, I'm not going to the party because they'll be there. No, I'm going to go to the party and I'm just going to act like nothing's wrong. <laughs> I'm the mature one. If I, I'll see her and I'll say, hi, pretty dress. <laughs> Is this not characteristic of West Michigan religion? I'll show her I'm not upset about anything. Pretty dress. You hag. <laughs> You say, that's not going on. That's exactly what's going on. Fake. Fake. People. Get it right. Because you're affecting our entire church family. It's like a disease that spreads. I want you to note the signs of the older brother. The lost older brother syndrome is this. When your life doesn't go how you think it's supposed to go or someone disappoints you, you become dangerously resentful and full of anger and bitterness. It's tit for tat. That's how I put it. Older brothers believe that if they live a good life, they should get a good life. The older brother mentality is characterized by the inability to handle suffering that arises from the fact that their moral observance is result-oriented. And lastly, the older brother always thinks that he can control God by using good living and that God is not fair if he doesn't punish bad living. Oh, my gosh. Okay, slow down a second. This is how it works. Mm -hmm, the older brother. I'm living really good, and she's living just horrible. I've been faithful to you, God, and I've been living the right life, and my brother's been out prostitutes, prostitutes, whoring around. He's horrible. Oh, wait a second. Hmm. Stay with me here. Yeah, wasn't it the prodigal that realized that what he was doing was wrong and came back? But you don't have anything wrong. There's nothing wrong with your life. Hmm, last time I checked, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? You know what would, would really clean up the church and change our nation? It's if we... If we would get over our stupidity and selfishness, which makes us think we're right. 
You're not right. You're hurting. I'm saying this out of love. You are hurting right this second because somebody that you love has left you through a misunderstanding. Come on, please, please. God is working in our church. If our kids are to see it, we have to always make things right with people who we love and even people who we don't love. Please, I'm begging you to see this. It's not about who's right and who's wrong. It's illustrated like this. Jesus said to his disciples one day, I want you all to go out and pick up a stone and carry it for me. So Peter being impetuous and very emotional type person, he goes out and thinks, hey, he just said pick up a stone. He picks up a small pebble, puts it in his pocket, carries it all the way till noon, and he gets to noontime, and it's lunch. Everybody's tired, and they're hungry, and Jesus says, come and sit down now with me. And so Peter goes and sits over here, and Jesus turns the stones, the rocks, into bread. It was a short lunch for Peter. That then right after they were finished eating, Jesus said to the disciples, I want you to go out and pick up a rock, a stone again, and carry it with you this afternoon. Peter thought, well, I got that fixed. I know what the answer is now because I'm hungry. He goes out and picks the biggest rock he can. It's so heavy he can barely bear it on his back as he climbs. And it comes to supper time and Jesus says, everyone come and sit down. And Peter comes and sits down with his big rock and lets off a sigh of relief. And Jesus said, throw it in the water and let's go. And Peter's disappointed in God and, and, and Jesus. And he said, What's up with that? And, and Peter realizes then what all of us must realize. Everybody in here is carrying a load. Everybody in here at times does good works for the kingdom. Everybody in here at times can be the most loving person if they really want to. God is looking for someone who understands that when you're living for Jesus and walking for Jesus, you just give it all to him all the time. And you'll always be blessed. You do what's not even comfortable. Saying I'm sorry is not an easy thing, and it's not contingent upon the other person accepting or rejecting it. It is simply you forgive, and simply you get blessed. <clears throat> the older brother always expects their goodness to pay off. Yes, they always expect that their goodness will pay off. The elder brothers always expect brothers who are not good to be punished, certainly, and not rewarded. This is the experience that I've had in West Michigan. Justice must be served to you. You deserve justice. And people argue that with God. But in order for this to be settled, it has to be made right. And God always says, he comes back at us and says this, it's always made right if you just turn it over to me. I know what you're carrying, little or big, right? Amen. See, you want to control God. Please, please listen to me. This is very important. You want to control God. You want to determine who God blesses and who God doesn't bless. And I thank God today that he blesses every single person who in all their way acknowledges him and he directs your path. Amen. You got it? It is a good thing to know that God is in charge all the time. I'm supposed to sing, and I like to do that sing-song thing.
because it gets your attention. Whenever you're obedient to God, you get blessed. So why not obey all the time? Right? Right? The, other bro the elder brother mentality always elevates and separates you from anyone who you think does not match up. But I'm not going to forgive her until she apologizes for what she did and, and grovels in the mud. Seriously. I'll only be happy if she goes and grovels in the mud for a while. And, oh, and God, while she's in the mud, I hope somebody's throwing stones at her. Really? Well, that would be justice. Do you know what it would be if God performed justice with you? Do you? It would not be good. He said it, I didn't. He knows a sinner he is. He knows he's just a sinner, right? Me too, so go light on other people, right? That's why, because you understand who you are. Now, they can't forgive me until I repent. What, you know what repentance is? Just change. You don't have to go broadcasting it. You just change. By the power of God and the grace of God, you're changing. You are. You're changing right now. You're changing this minute because I know that God has spoken to some people in this room already who God has said, you need to go take care of this, and they're going to do it. They're going to do it. Yes, they are. They're going to go talk to somebody right now. Don't pay attention to the spark. That's just the devil trying to start a fire. Little do you know, Satan, God's better at starting fires than you are. He appeared in the burning bush. He can appear here today, right? Holy Spirit fires are pretty powerful. So... Um, elder brothers always measure their superiority in being hardworking, morally elite people. Remember in my mentoring group a couple years ago, a man from in town here doesn't go to our church was there, and I'll never forget this. I think it was his last, no, one of his last times to come. I said, what is Christianity? And he said, good, clean living. Is that Christianity? Because if that's what it is, we're in trouble. Because we live in a culture that the streets are so clean you could serve dinner on them. But the hearts are wicked. Because they're full of elitism. But we're still doing it right at Dead Men's Bones Baptist Church. <laughs> we're still doing it right. Praise God for Dead Men's Bones Baptist Church. Everybody's dying off, but we're still standing by the word. Really? When's the last time that somebody accepted Christ in your church? When is the last time that God supernaturally pulled somebody out of the pig pen and made him realize that I can only be happy if I'm clean through the washing of the word of God and salvation? I'd like to speak to every church in the city, not that I have it all figured out, because I think it's real simple. Stop the phony, baloney garbage and start preaching the gospel, which has the power to change people's lives, right? It supernaturally changes people's lives. These people were disdainful, condescending in their language. They claim moral superiority. Look at what verse 30 says. But when the son of yours who has squandered your poverty with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. 
I love what Richard Lovelace has written. He said, people who are no longer sure that God loves and accepts them in Jesus, apart from their present spiritual achievements, are subconsciously radically insecure people. Their insecurity shows itself in pride, a fierce and defensive criticism of others. They come naturally to hate other cultural styles and other races in order to, to bolster their own security and discharge suppressed anger. That's what it is. It's impossible to forgive someone that you feel superior to. You understand that? Yes, 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 yes. I'm almost finished. Hang with me. It is impossible to forgive someone who you see yourself as the right party. You're lying to yourself. You're equally as wrong as they are because you're not doing everything in your power to make it right. Do I say this to be mean? No, I say it because it'll free you. It'll strengthen your relationship. It'll make you realize that when you forgive, there is more power. There's way more power in love than there is in hate. That is not that wishy-washy, well, let's just plant tulips and everybody dance to them, tiptoe through the tulips. Really? No. The gospel is powerful. Smash those dang tulips down and get to the root of the issue. Because underneath that, there's a bulb which will grow better next year. Rip that thing out of the ground and forgive the person. What happens with the elder brother is that he promotes a fear-based compliance. That if I don't do this, I'm going to get, people are going to talk against me. The pastor's going to preach another message list like this where I sit the whole time turning red and trying to hide under the chair in front of me. Whew, pastor, will you get on, please, quickly? Please, can you, you got another point, like something different, like, yeah, you're good if you just hate people. <laughs> Come on, can't you give me something I, give me something I need today? Pastor, because I'm not feeling real good right now. I'll tell you one thing, you're going to feel a lot better if you forgive. Yeah. Honesty born out of fear does nothing to root out the fundamental cause of evil in the world, the radical self-centeredness of the human heart. It's a self-centeredness of our heart. One last story here. Once upon a time, there was a gardener who grew an enormous carrot. She took the carrot to the king and said, my Lord, this is the greatest carrot I've ever grown or ever will grow. Therefore, I want to present it to you as a token of my love and respect for you. The king was touched and discerned by her, her generosity. He could sense her heart. And so he turned to her and he said, wait, you are clearly a good steward of the earth. I own a plot of ground right next to yours. I want to give it to you freely as a gift so that your garden can expand. And the gardener was amazed and delighted and went home rejoicing. But there was a nobleman in the court who overheard and saw the entire thing between her and the, the king and the carrot. And he said, my, if that's what you get for a carrot, just think what you would get if you gave the king something better. So the next day, the nobleman came before the king and was leading a gorgeous black stallion. He, he bowed before the king and said, my lord, I breed horses, and this is the greatest horse that I've ever bred and ever will breed. Therefore, I wanted to present to you as a token of my love and respect for you. But the king looked at him and discerned his heart and, and said thank you and took the horse and merely dismissed him. The nobleman was perplexed. So the king said, let me explain. He said, the gardener was giving me the carrot, but you were giving yourself the horse. Hmm. 
wait. I will go and ask the person to forgive me because the pastor will think more highly of me. Or I want to manipulate God. I certainly don't want to have this in my resume that I'm a hateful person. So I'll go do it, but I do it begrudgingly because they really owe me an apology. And all I can say is this. You'll get what you deserve then. No party. No father's forgiveness. No blessing. Is that really what you want? Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. That's the way it works. My wife often says it about me. She says, you're the most forgiving man I've ever known. Because I don't want to be bitter. I want to be better. Okay, close your eyes. Because the Baptist preacher inside of me says, don't leave without making this right. Come on. Come on. Please listen to me. We need to make things right, right now. You know God's been talking to you and using me to be the one to talk to you. If you are holding something between you and someone else, you need to make it right. How many know that is true and you're going to make it right today? Raise your hand right now. I raise my hand. I see people all over, all over the room, all over. Raise your hand. Need to make it right today, okay? If possible in this room, I want you to go do it right now. Get up from your seat. Go right now. Right this second. You could do it. You can do it. Go right now to the person and embrace them. Hmm. There you go. If you know they're coming for you, go with them. Yes. Do the right thing. No, just go to the people. Go to them. Go, go do it. Mm-hmm. Because you love each other, don't you? We're not done. We're not done. The devil doesn't want you to do this. The devil does not want you to do this, and God wants you to. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. It's a battle. It's a royal battle, isn't it? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. You can make things right this very second. Yes. Look up here. Let me just say this. We don't think of you worse if you admit that you need to forgive someone. We think of you more highly because humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Do you people, do you understand something that I've learned through 41 years of being a pastor? There is jealousy when people make things right even. What? If it is lies at all within you to do it, do it. Forgive your parents. Forgive your children. Go to someone today. Stand to your feet if you need to go to someone today. Stand up. Because many people raise their hand. I want to see if you meant it or not. Back there. Right here. Right there. Right there. Right there. Right there. Back there. Over there. That's not everybody. Back there. Anyone? Over there. That's not everybody. You need to go to someone today or contact them. Thank you. Now, you know what I'm going to do as a pastor? I'm going to pray because some of you 
are living dangerously. They're living very, very dangerously because I just preached a message totally built on what that text means and you are not willing to do it. You know why Ananias and Sapphira fell dead? Because God talked to them, but they were too committed that their sin wasn't that bad. They could get by with it, and they fell dead. This is not the kind of message that makes you feel, whoopee, let's go home and have a party. But it should be, right? It should be if you know someone that you're holding bitterness toward or that hurts you, hurt you, we're all hurt. You get this? This kind of message will grow this church because people will get right and it will change our church. And when you are unwilling to forgive, you're destroying this body. I will not stand here and allow it. And you've been warned. You've actually been warned recently. Many of you have. You need to deal with this bitterness thing. You need to deal with forgiving yourself forgiving someone else. Stop making excuses. All of us get hurt. It is just a choice not to be hurt. Right? It's a choice to get over the hurt. Exactly. We don't look down on people for doing that. The Nash, it took courage for the Nashes to get up. Is it going to be better now? Because you were hurt. Is that going to be better now, Scoltons and Nashes? Yes or no? I kind of hope so. <laughs> it's a sure thing. See, you love each other, don't you? You're brave. I say bravo for the Nashes. Yeah. Yep. Because they're best friends, and we love the Nashes and the Scoltons. The enemy would just love to destroy your future and your homes and everything else. We will not let you, Satan. It's not, it's not like he never stops. He's, he's always trying it, isn't he? Don't let him divide your marriage. Do not let him divide your marriage. Do not let him divide you with your kids. Do love them anyway. No matter what they do, love them anyway. We should love each other anyway, shouldn't we? Some of you are sitting there like, I don't know, but it's getting really hot in here, and I wish you'd get this thing over. I'm hotter than you are, trust me. I love Rock Church. The only way we are going to keep from falling apart is if we forgive each other and love each other and move together. Praise God. We need you. We were going to sing, but it's already like 20 minutes over. If you guys would come on time, it would be a lot shorter, shorter service. I pray the most blessed day you could possibly have. Now, this week, Monday night, men's Bible study. Tomorrow, right in here, 75 guys. Women, this week, Wednesday night, no morning Bible study, but ladies, powerful, ridiculously powerful meeting in here. you got to come, control girl. You know what I'm saying, control girl? All you valley girls out there? You come here Wednesday night. What else? College ministry is here at 7 tonight, we're moving from my house, where it's been for the last few years, to the church permanently. Now, one other thing. You should have gotten a card on the way in here. You can stay a little bit longer. Did you get a card? Who did not get a card? 
All right, there's a few. Please bring those cards. Get a card. You're going to want this card. If you only knew what it was for. It's like, <laughs> any cards Pastor passes out are dangerous, Jesus. Come on now. Let me explain it while they come. Raise your hand. You did not get a card. Put them up. Put them up. Put them up. Put them up. Come on. Somebody help. Pass them out to people. You didn't get a card. I want you to be in on this. Down here in the front, come on, come on, come on, come on, let's do this fast. Right here, these people didn't get a card. Those people over there didn't get a card. Right there, you missed somebody, Katie. Right there, over there. Get a card. Should have gotten a card. And up here, right here, right there. You must not be able to see down there. You know what surprises me all the time? When we start the service, there's like 100 empty chairs, and by the time we get into the service... A lot of those are filled. So you must be coming really late and sneaking in in the dark. Okay, let me explain the card. That building out there is our other task. We need it. We don't just want it. We need it. We're only allowed to have 100 kids upstairs and we break the fire code. We have to have that building. We're already overpacked in our present facility. It's a good issue to have. That was four garages. We already paid for the windows, which was 14,000. We paid for the insulation of the ceiling, that's 6,000. We have some guys that have committed to doing certain things, heating and electric and structural. We're adding on to the building a great big lobby type area. We've just paid our architect $6,000 because I'm pushing, saving pennies, and we're able to pay him to redesign the building. It has now gone before the code inspector, and he's good with it, but we didn't know that we had to have it in the city planning commission for them to approve the usage of that building. Long story short is we need about $80,000. I've raised in the last month with our church family through a $1,000, $3,000, and $5,000 club, I've raised some of that money. We need you to help us. If you've already pledged to give some money toward it, if you can be a part of the $1,000 club, check it, put your name on there, and we'll see if we can finish up with the $80,000 today. Today, by you giving. I'm giving it $1,000 and I don't have it. I will have it. It'll come out of nowhere. It always does. You need to help us. Don't depend on the same people. You didn't give anything last time. You should give this time, and we should seal up that 80000 Our goal is to have it finished by September 15th. We'll have to work all summer on the building, and it will be amazing. There will be a small gymnasium with two basketball hoops. There will be a middle room with a fireside room that will seat about 60 people for youth group and college ministry and ladies' Bible study. There will be a kitchen and two restrooms on the other end, and the new addition is an acceptable lobby which gets you in and out of the building for place for coats and stuff and a small garage on the back. We can do it all for about 80000 if we do it ourselves, but we need you to help us. By the way, if you don't tithe and you go here all the time, you should tithe. That's a biblical issue. It is a biblical issue. I challenge you. Now, I'm way over today, but I hope you got blessed. Did you get blessed? Yeah. If you're saved and you know it, say amen. amen. If you're saved and you know it, stomp your feet. If you're saved and you know it, clap your hands. If you're saved and you know it, stand and shout, praise the Lord. Ready? Adios, amigos. Have a nice day. At Rock Urban, we hope that through our podcast, you will experience the grace and love of Jesus. If you want to further connect with us, please check out our website at therockmi.org.